0: part of the problem in that scenario, I actually had a similar case like that. And it wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. (laughs) And we ultimately got the case dismissed, but it was a situation where that kind of that scenario, it was, wasn't a a daughter's boyfriend, but it was a, a stepson and stepdad and, you know, popped off, you know, was being disrespectful to the mom, stepdad had enough, punched the kid. And, you know, it's a situation where even though it's probably justified, even though Every male juror that's out there is going to is going to say, "I get it. The kid deserved it." You yeah, know? doesn't necessarily make it legal. And so, whenever you go in yeah. there and you start talking, you know, you may be admitting to a crime. And even if you know, depending on who the jury is, and that's what a lot of cases come down to is who's on your jury, and you don't know that, you don't know who that's going to be, you don't know that until the if, trial starts. Because
1: what if you get a juror that same scenario we're talking about is having a bad day? Yeah,
0: right. Yeah. Or somebody that's just going to say. Well, I I think that I think what you did was okay, like I I get why you did it. And I think it was justified. But the law doesn't allow it. So you're still guilty. And I'm going to find you guilty. You know, because if they just strictly follow the law in that situation, then they're likely to find you guilty there, especially if you've admitted to it. Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook, the podcast where we welcome business leaders, CEOs, and industry experts to discuss the rise to the top building wealth, and real estate insights. Here's your host, Jeremy Span.
1: Welcome to Winning Strategies Playbook. For more information on this podcast, go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's my experience with an E-D, myexperiencedrealtor.com. On the landing page, click on the top right corner where it says podcast. You can scroll down to download any and all podcasts. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe on Amazon iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or just listen to the episode on the website. And then, even cooler, you can click on that particular person's episode on the Read More, where you can learn about my defense attorney, Landon Loker. Welcome, Landon. Thanks, Jeremy. How are you doing? Man, I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me in. Yeah. And matter of fact, you're having to
0: do some good lawyer work because you have to Put diapers on somebody, don't you? I do, yeah. Got a one year old at home now, into everything. It's really had to made me have to adjust how I handle my day to day. So it's definitely been a new experience. Well,
1: we start off every one of these according to my father in law with a joke. So I've got a joke for you. All right. Are you ready for this? I'm ready for it. Landon, what's the difference between a good lawyer and a great lawyer? <laughs> Let's hear it. A good lawyer knows the law. A great lawyer knows the judge. That's true. That's true. <laughs> now, for audience members out there that know my history, know that I was not only in the United States Marine Corps, but I was in law enforcement for 17 years, Fort Worth, PD, And my last job was being supervisor of internal affairs, 13th largest police department in the United States. And I was the cop of the cops. And I spent seven years in the detective's office. So people say, you have a defense attorney? What did you do wrong? Now, Landon, have you ever had to come do some defense attorney stuff for me? No, not necessarily. Not yet. (laughs) Or or what you wanted to say was not yet. (laughs) So for the audience out there, they're probably really curious of why I keep a defense attorney on speed dial. And we're going to unpackage that and talk about the importance of it because you, naturally working from the defense side- because everybody deserves a defense, right? Absolutely. And then from a cop's side, is like, why would you? And we're going to break all that out to understand, like, why you should have something like that. Because it's probably a little weird for people to go, as a police officer, you would never talk to another police officer. And it's really weird for a lot of people to hear that. But there is this thing called the military who makes sure our freedoms of the Constitution protects us. And you know what? Nobody wakes up. Well, there's a lot of people that actually do because I had a lot of job security from people that intentionally (laughs) woke up to try to go break the law. But there's many people in this world that don't wake up thinking that something is going to happen that day. And when that happens and you're in that moment, is that really the time you want to go, I need to find a lawyer? Because just like in real estate, you have bad real estate agents and you have good real estate agents. In the legal field, you have bad defense lawyers and you have great defense lawyers. And so for the audience to understand is probably nobody knows how to pick out a better lawyer than a guy that he himself has been in the courtroom over a hundred times. I've done depositions, witness trials, actual trials, placing cases together. So I know what it takes to have the essence of picking out a good defense attorney that I would trust to represent me. And Landon is my guy.
0: Yeah. I'm glad to be your guy. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, a wide variety of types of lawyers that you're going to get, you know, and, and not a lot of, I mean, everybody holds himself out to be a great lawyer, you know, so it really is trying to dissect, you know, who they are, what they are, what they can do for you. And that's tough to do if you've never dealt with it. If you don't know somebody that's dealt with it, you hear a lot about bad experiences with lawyers. You don't hear a lot about good experiences. And, you know, I, I would say that somebody that's been in the courtroom like you, you know, you've been up on the stand, you've been cross-examined by probably hundreds of lawyers. You know, you've dealt with plenty of them that are good and plenty of them that look like they have no business being in there. And, you know, really that's why uh, there's a lot of that up there, you know, in, in every courtroom. So, you know, it is, it is important that you have somebody that you're prepared because you never know. I mean, you never know. There's people that get arrested wrongfully. All the time, and really the standard, as you know, being a former police officer, the standard for making an, ar- an arrest is much lower than that standard to actually convict somebody. So, for example, let's let's take DWIs. You know, that's a that's a big one that we see a lot of, and we win a lot of those cases, but it's because a police officer's job, when deciding whether or not to make that arrest, is to you know they see a person that they think is you know that they either think or no has been drinking. They pull them over, they do some tests with them and you know, they're basically kind of going on a gut feeling there. And if if a lot of times they're going to err on the side of caution. So if they think, you know, I'm not really sure, maybe, maybe not, they're going to arrest that person. And then you go and you hash it out in the courtroom. And that's, you know, kind of where a lot of people can find themselves because a lot of people will go out for dinner, maybe have a drink and drive home. And, you know, you've only had one beer, you know, you're fine to drive, but that officer doesn't. And so, you know, that's how a lot of people find themselves in that position who never would have dreamed that they would have been in that position. And, you know, it really is important to know somebody and kind of know what you're going to do once you get into that position.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And here's the thing too, is I really consider landing my American express card as I like to joke around with them. It's better to have them and not need them than need them and not have them. Because when, if something were to happen, you don't want to be scrambling around to try to find out who that is because time can be very limited. So with Landon being in my speed dial, I can either call him and if he doesn't answer, shoot him a text like, hey man, this is where I'm at. This is what's going on. This is the police department. Yeah. that Right? And so that way he knows what to do to engage. If he happens to send a text back, he's probably going to say, shut up, don't say anything. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and what the reason... I am very passionate about this is as you know, Landon, I have a house here in Texas and I have a house in Colorado and let's say, cause I'm flying back tonight to go to Colorado. Okay. I'm going to be up there for the weekend. Let's say tomorrow, Saturday at noon, I'm in Colorado. I am physically not here in Texas mm-hmm. and somebody calls nine one one, makes a police report and says, Jeremy Spann committed X just now. Now, even though I could easily show I am clearly not even here, would I still respond to the police officer who calls me and says, I need to talk to you?
0: No. Let's, let's break that down. Why? So whenever a police officer calls you, they're almost always trying to build evidence against you. They're trying to build a case against you. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've had clients who claimed innocence you know, I believe that they were innocent at the time, but they, you know, they would talk to the officer, they would tell their side of the story. And even all, even though all their statements were self-serving, you know, they, they said exactly what happened. They told the officer, you know, everything, nothing that they said was bad for them. The officer comes in, you know, at the end and says, well, you know, based on my training and experience, I believe you were lying, you know, for whatever reason you were breathing heavily your Your speech was you know, you were stuttering, you were said these these words that are trigger words to t- let me know that you're lying. You know, so they're not there to to be your friend or to you know, try to help you in your defense whatsoever. they're They're there to build a case, build evidence. And even if you do that, even if you tell them your story, tell them what happened, then there's still that possibility that you've gotten arrested. and now you've got this officer who's going to come in and testify against you. We put your story, you know, we put your story out there for a jury and that officer gets up there and says, well, based on my training experience, I believe he was lying. And now you got a, a jury who's going to say, OK, well, this this officer, he knows he's talked to people. He he knows that people lie and, you know, he he can tell. And we get a lot of jurors, especially in counties like Tarrant County, where it's more conservative jury pools that tend to give a lot of credibility to these officers, even though that officer clearly isn't a lie detector. You know, they don't have any special way just because they're a police officer. They don't have any special way of knowing whether somebody's lying or not. A lot of them are, you know, they're humans. They're all humans. And a lot of them have these beliefs that they've already formed whenever they start talking to you. And they're basically trying to figure out what, what evidence do I have or what information do I have to get me to that conclusion? And um, now I don't want to say that every officer does that. There are some out there that, you know, you may talk to them, tell them your story and it works out fine. You know, they believe you, everything checks out and you're good to go. But I don't think you really want to roll the dice on whether you're in a situation dealing with one of those officers or whether you're dealing with the first type of officer that, are, that I described.
1: Man, and and that actually segues perfect into this is, let me ask you a question, right? Because I know how I answer this is, do you have anything against officers? I don't. No. Do you like officers? I do, yeah. Yeah. And so for the audience out there is you're not intentionally trying to go out of your way
0: to demonize officers, are you? Absolutely not, no.
1: Because they are our first responders and level of protection, right?
0: They are, yeah. And that, that's something that a lot of people have to understand. Even a good officer, you can be a good person, a good police officer. They make mistakes, you know, and – you mean to tell me people are human? <laughs> they are. They're human. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, it doesn't change, you know, the fact that an officer is a good person, you know, even a good police officer, it doesn't change the fact that you still have constitutional protections. That officer still, you know, is bound by them and their actions, you know, must fall within the constitution. So, if an officer, you know, they they can go in and search a car or something, it has to be legal. So, even an officer that is Trained well, good person, maybe acting on good intentions. If they search that car illegally, that that evidence shouldn't be used against you. And I know a lot of people, you know, whenever something something illegal is found, say say somebody has some drugs in their car, an officer searches it illegally, finds the drugs, the person's charged. A lot of people say, well, he had them, you know, he should have been, you know, he should be he should be convicted. You know, he's already he's got them. It doesn't matter how the officer got them, but that's just not you know, that's not what our country was built on. That's the reason we have a constitution and it's to avoid situations where we have police officers that are, you know, just out there able to come out and search your vehicle, you know, pull you over for a traffic stop and search your vehicle every time or go into your house and search your house for no apparent reason. Just you know, looking for something. We don't want that. That's a situation that we absolutely want to avoid.
1: Yeah. And you know, and this is this is why I, I really think this episode is important because they're getting a lawyer's perspective and a cost perspective. So I'm gonna throw an example out there. Okay. Is my daughter got a speeding ticket by a DPS trooper. Okay. And she didn't take care of it the way she was supposed to. We get a letter in the mail. I said, look, Maggie, this can turn into a warrant if you don't handle it. So she went and she filed for defensive driving and all that. So two weeks ago, she's driving from Colorado back to Texas. She's got her friend in the car. She's outside Amarillo. Gets pulled over for no front license plate, right? We've never had a front license plate on the car. By the way, sure. here's what I'm going to make a statement of. <laughs> There is nobody on this planet that can drive on any U.S. highway without violating some sort of law, right? Because oh, there's so many laws out there that there's no one that perfect. We've never had a license plate on the front side of her car. She didn't even know. Matter of fact, so she gets pulled over and she's like, why? I wasn't speeding. She's So now she's nervous. She's also nervous because she's 19 years old. She's never been pulled over in her life. Even though her dad is a retired cop and a Marine, she's never been pulled over. She's a kid. I know my daughter. She's not worried about anything, right? (laughs) The biggest problem I have out of my kid is not going to class, not doing something criminal. And then on top of that, let's just add a little bit. She's worried because, oh my God, what happens if something messed up with that defensive driving deal, and now I got a warrant out from my arrest because I did try to scare the piss out of her because I was like, take care of your stuff, Maggie. So naturally, here's a DPS trooper. Now I want to stop for a second and go from, when a police officer answers 911, is it to go have a cup of coffee for a joyous event? No. No. What do officers do? Officers respond to bad things all day long. They're suspicious of everything. Mm -hmm. They're out there. DPS troopers on his own, right? He's approaching every vehicle like this could be the last vehicle I ever approach. So there is a certain approach to it. Then he gets there, sees a squirrel he's never seen in his entire life, who's incredibly nervous, not for the reasons he has already put in his mind. And because of her physical nervousness, he says, can I search your car? My daughter, I was really proud of her. She said, no, sir. 100%. And and now, officers don't like to be told no. They don't. Because <laughs> when you say no, I already know the answer to this, but I'll let you answer this. What is that officer likely to respond with?
0: Are you hiding something?
1: Right. Yes. And she's like, I'm not. And he goes, why are you nervous? She goes, I think I might have a warrant out for my arrest. I filed for defensive driving and I'm nervous. And my dad's a retired police officer, and he checks. She doesn't have a warrant. And he says, well, since you're not going to let me in a car, I'm going to call a canine unit. Well, they sit there and wait. They can't, don't have one that can show up, so eventually he lets her go. She got pulled over front license plate. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, you know what she tells me? I said, I'm really proud of you that you said no because that's your constitutional right. By the way, many of my friends have come back wounded in combat and even lost their lives in combat to protect your constitutional right of that. But I also said, maybe this will incentivize you that the next time you get a ticket, you don't have to wait till dad tells you to go down there and handle it, so you have to be extra nervous. But the point being is that's a prime example of an officer, like you were talking about, preconceived notions of why she's nervous. She's nervous because she's 19. Mm-hmm. She's nervous because she's never been pulled over. She's nervous because her dad is a retired cop, and am I going to get in trouble and all of this? So that's a prime example of like what you were uh, alluding to earlier. Now, here's another part to that is actually two parts. One, I like to believe that in 17 years in law enforcement, I never arrested anybody unjustly, right? As a matter of fact, I'm going to save a story for here in a minute and you're because I know guys like you love this is (laughs) I had a case that was one of my very first cases to work and it ended up, they finally arrested the guy years later. Now I got five years under me. I'm a lot more experienced and during the pre-trial I'm with the DA's office, I'm reading that and I was like, you can't plead this one out because this is going <laughs> to suck. Because the first thing I know, if a good defense attorney is going to go, well, wait a minute, you are inexperienced in everything else. Why didn't you do X, Y, Z? And then if it's like, well, I didn't know back then. So what you're saying is you weren't trained. You know, there's yeah. all kinds of different yeah. avenues, right? But here's, here's a point I really want to lead to is this. I don't hate cops. People go, oh, well, you were the cop of cops' internal affairs. Actually, you even still laugh to this day. Like, how in the hell did the chief lose a bet for you to go run internal (laughs) affairs? Like, how did that happen? Is this is, I believe in integrity. I believe that men and women are putting their lives on the line every day as first responders, especially in this horrendous environment we live in with all this defund the police and everything else. Their job is even harder now. But here's the deal is that 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 prime example is either – experience, their lack of preconceived notions, but even more so is I found in my experience and cops are great, really. And this is what I'm going to, I'm going to give a shout out to Fort Worth PD, right? You're talking about, I think it's like 1800 officers now. And even then a number of years ago, we had a lot of officers, right? Almost 2000 officers. There was only a handful of bad officers. We knew who they were and we were doing our best to get rid of them as fast as possible, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that officers don't make mistakes. And the thing is, is when you make a mistake, you're accountable. You own it, right? Because that's what retains the trust of the public. When you can say, I messed up, Mm -hmm. I'll take whatever consequences come with that, but it doesn't make me a bad person or a bad cop because we learn from our failures and things. But even more importantly is this, is what I learned is there are two types of police officers. And this is just how people are wired. You have officers that see world in gray. So in other words, like you're saying is why take the gamble hoping that you get the officer that sees the gray to go. So you're in Colorado right now. Yeah. It's not only noon that they accuse you of doing this, but it's two o'clock now when I'm responding to it and you're calling me and me with the mountains in the background. Okay, cool. All right. I know this thing's BS. We're going to move on. But you have officers that also are only seeing black and white. That's yep. all they see. Absolutely. You made a violation. This is it, no matter what. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, wait a minute. Like, we used to joke, or like, we had an officer, like, if I pulled somebody over, like, I hated writing tickets, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you got a ticket from me, like, you really, you really work for it, right? <laughs> You've run red lights, done all kinds of things, and, you know, wherever else. But you have officers that if they pull somebody over and they got 10 violations, they're writing 10 tickets. It's not because that officer is it is is a, trying to be an ass is because they see the world in black and white. You made 10 violations. I'm writing 10 violations. So are you going to take the risk of the officer that's going to interview you as the officer that only sees black and white or Mm -hmm. the officer who sees gray? Now, the chances are the one that sees gray probably going to be like, okay, makes sense. But what happens if you get that other officer right? Yeah. And that is the importance of having a defense attorney who speaks on your behalf,
0: right? Absolutely. And you also have to keep in mind that there, you know, I know you said that at the time at your time in Fort Worth PD, you know, there were only a few bad officers. You knew who they were. You got to keep in mind there are still bad officers as well. So even if it's not just one of those officers that sees black and white and is going to try to nail you for every violation, you may have somebody that's a bad officer that's there for the wrong reasons, you know, and that's another factor. So, you know, it's just best to not talk at all, ever. You know, I've, don't know that I've ever had somebody that has talked and helped their case, regardless of the charge or what they said or their history or anything like that. So, you know, and going back to I know you said earlier that there was no that that nobody can drive down the road and not viola- violate any laws. Yeah. You know, to a, a little story on that. I had a trial last year where officer was fine. You know, I talked to him outside of, you know, being in trial during breaks and stuff and great, great guy, you know, nice guy but he pulled my client over for swerving. So he he had my client had touched the fog line with his tires and touched the center line and it was while he was going around a curve and didn't never really cross them maybe slightly you know I don't remember exactly but as I was watching the video the officer prior to pulling my client over you can see on his dash cam that he crosses the fog line so bad that he almost hits a mailbox. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> yes, yes.
0: The officer did. So he so he does the same exact violation that he pulls my client over for and then ends up pulling my client over. And in his report, you know, he was talking about how my client was driving dangerously by touching those lines, you know, that that, that those actions were dangerous. And so during cross examination, I stopped the video. You know, I played a few times for him and I say, Hey, you know, we see he we see you here cross this fog line. You would agree with me that you're across the fog line right? And he said, yes. And I said, and you would also agree with me that, you know, you nearly hit that mailbox. And he's like, ah, you know, and of course, you know, we start, we start splitting hairs over whether he almost hits the mailbox. And so I said, okay, regardless, you definitely crossed the fog line. Yes. So would you also agree with me that your driving was also dangerous? Now, keep in mind, in the grand scheme of things, it didn't really matter because the officer, you know, it, the officer's not on trial there. Mm-hmm. So whether or not his driving was dangerous really didn't affect our trial, but it did go a long way with his credibility with the jury because the officer told me over and over again that his driving was safe, was not dangerous whatsoever, but my client's was extremely dangerous, even though their driving actions were the same exact things.
1: Well, let's break that down the credibility (laughs) thing because what I want the audience to understand is you're not attacking the officer's credibility like he's a bad person. You were just merely demonstrating that if my client did the same thing as you did and you're saying that you're Driving behaviors are not dangerous. Therefore, to convey forward, how is theirs considered dangerous? Is that what you're? That's what you're. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And uh, and by the way, that would have been called leading.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Leading the witness, sir. (laughs) And so, and so, yeah. I mean, that's really what a lot of a trial is: is you're you're going to have witnesses that get up and say one thing. The defense, if they have witnesses, will get up and say you know something else, and then it's up to the jury to to decide who they're believing, who they're not believing, it's not necessarily all the time that somebody's up there lying, but somebody may have a different, of uh, you know, they they may believe something else or they may have a different perspective of it. And so then the jury has to kind of sort through who whose perspective do we trust more? Who do we believe more? And, you know, if if an officer gets up there and has no credibility with the jury, then a lot of times that jury's not going to believe anything that, that officer says. And that, that, that's the same for every witness. But you know, if the officer gets up there and they're very credible and they're very knowledgeable and they're very they seem very trustworthy, well then, you know, the, the jurors oh, a lot of times going to believe everything that officer says. So it's really important to kind of pull those things out, if if you have the opportunity to in a trial.
1: Yeah. And you know, and I and I go back to my days in the detective's office of let the evidence be evidence, let the facts be facts, right? Mm-hmm. So going back to so I speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. The sex crimes unit needed a Spanish speaker. I had only been a detective for about six months. I'd had some training, not a lot of training. Now, keep in mind at this point, I've been a police officer for 10 years. and knew my job pretty well. But there's a difference between being responding to calls and doing reports and building a case, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I came from the general assignments, So everything from stolen huffies to minor assaults or whatever, <laughs> right? And then here it is. I'm in the sex crimes, which many times involves much more evidence, right? So sure. if you have someone accusing another person of sexual assault, well, if you don't have any evidence, because what if you do have DNA, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, sure. oh, you have DNA. But, but if the person who is the suspect says, yeah, but it was consensual, and you have no witnesses to say one thing or another, you've got no no evidence, right? Right. Or you have evidence that's not compelling. So then it comes down to the interrogation, right? Absolutely. And then, and so, and I'm not saying this because I want sex predators to get off or anything, because I do have a good example of when I won't name the names, but I had an ex-wife that accused a husband, and as we started to investigate it, now he he shows up with Tim Evans, who's Man, he's, I think he's retired now.
0: Uh, I think he's kind of part time working, but uh, yeah, being how Tim le- Evans, great, a local great,
1: great, 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 yeah, local legend, great attorney. So I call this guy in and, and, and I was like, Hey, listen, I'd like to get your side of the story, blah, 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 blah. And he says, Well, I'd like to really have my lawyer present. And I was just like, ah, All right. <laughs> and then I was like, Okay. And then his lawyer gets there and they said, Tim Evans is here. And I was like, Oh, there's no way I'm going to talk to this guy. Tim gets an error and says, I need to talk to my client, make sure the cameras are off, blah, blah, blah. Tim walks out. Now, you got to understand is I had a huge amount of respect for Tim because he's a good attorney, right? Yeah, He's not a cheap attorney, right? You you get what you pay for, right? And he's going to cost a lot. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, Tim walks out, and I was stunned when he said, we want to talk to you. And it was like, what? (laughs) So we get in there, and the – guy that was being accused, how he articulated the events and the things that he said that made a lot more sense than the wife that he accused, who in that moment, not as much things made sense in her story, story changing and whatnot. Oh, and there happened to be an affair that was involved prior to the divorce and many of these other things that... I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, there's there's not enough evidence." Now, I still file the case with the DA's office. They sent it back, closed exceptional means. We don't see any sort of evidence that we would move forward to prosecute. Now, that's just one example of like importance of having an attorney. Now, I had another case where this guy did it. Like, there's, I mean, we got a breached door. We've got evidence. We've got raid kits that show, I mean, all the evidence is there, but Mm -hmm. this guy's on the run and we were able to identify the guy, right? Because she knew the guy that had done it and so wrote a warrant. But this was one of the very first cases that I worked, right? I didn't have a ton of experience on the things to collect and whatnot. My report was not nearly as long and detailed. And this guy was on the run for over five years. Okay. He gets arrested, extradited to Texas. And so and by then I was, no, this was like seven or eight years later, because by then I was a sergeant. And and so I get, hey, you need to come in and look at this case. And I come in and look at it. So not only me and a see a detective, but even from a supervisor who looks at reports and whatnot. And they give me during the pretrial a look at this report. And I was like, oh, I really don't want to. <laughs> because by this point, I've testified a gajillion times. You become a good detective the more you get beat up, right? Yeah, because you're like, oh yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to collect that, or not do this, or not make this mistake. So I was, I was a much better detective. I was more seasoned, and I'm sitting here reading this report, which is like one page long. Like, oh man, I was like, y'all don't want to plea this guy out. I was, this is going to be horrible, right? Sure. Like, even a plea, because now based on my experience with a very hard, you know, sexual assault cases are very hard to prosecute. They are, and I was like. I'm and I wasn't just saying, hey, we take a plea because I wanted to be off the hook. I was like, based on my experience and looking at this report, their chances of getting off is higher than if they were to take a deal.
0: You believe the guy was guilty.
1: So Oh yeah. Yeah. We knew the guy was yeah. guilty, right? I mean, I had the evidence. I've absolutely believed. And we're going to get back to that because it's leading me down to a road to talk about the difference between probable cause and proof beyond a reasonable doubt. That's that's the point I get back to, but but I was like, ah, and I was, man, because I knew that I was going to get slaughtered on the stand. Because yeah. I've been up there enough where it's like, again, what I said earlier is like, oh, so you didn't have the training or didn't do this or blah, 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 But more so, I was like, if this guy takes a plea deal, is a better, stronger chance of him going to jail, maybe for not as long, than completely getting acquitted. Because I did believe, based on the evidence, that he did it. But a good defense attorney, and he you know, he didn't have a defense attorney then, you know, I'm envisioning a Tim Evans or a you walking through the door and I'd be like, man, I'm <laughs> I'm getting ready to be put through a shredder. But what it ultimately ended up happening is when we did a DNA swab on him after he had been arrested. Now it's fast forward, DNA's coming back much quicker. Well, he pinged in several different states. <laughs> and one particular state he did not want to get extradited yeah. to. So he was like so his defense attorney, which happened to be a public defender at that point, was just like, they would like to know what kind of deal. So they went big or go home. And the dude took it without even blinking an eye. And I was kind of off the hook because I didn't have to get shredded on there. But that was, but that was a point of I didn't have the experience then. Yeah. Because when I was looking at it, I went straight to that. Is in the beginning I built cases based on probable cause, which means you probably did it, but proof beyond a reasonable doubt. Is much different than probable cause. Tell us the much difference. Higher. Yeah, tell us. T- let's talk about that.
0: So, yeah, so we have different standards in Texas, and if you've ever been involved in a civil case or on a civil jury, you'll hear the you'll hear hear the term preponderance of the evidence. Basically, what that means is that it's more likely than not. So you're at you know you can kind of say 51% likely that the that it happened, you know, and that's how you would determine guilty or not guilty if that was a criminal standard. Beyond reasonable doubt is the highest standard that we have. Probable cause is down, it's basically that second tier. So we have reasonable suspicion. That's what the officer needs in order to make the stop, you know, to stop a vehicle in the first place. Then we have probable cause, and that's what they need to get a warrant or to make an arrest. And, you know, these tiers kind of go up, and between preponderance of the evidence and beyond a reasonable doubt, we have clear and convincing evidence. Now, this is a standard that is the standard that's used whenever the government's coming to take somebody's kids away to terminate parental rights—it's clear and convincing evidence. So to put it in a little bit of perspective, clear and convincing evidence that a parent did something worthy of having of losing their children—that's our standard in Texas. And beyond a reasonable doubt, which is the standard to convict somebody of a crime, is higher than that. So it's an an extremely high standard. There's no real definition for it, and that's why it's—you know—I try to explain it based on other. Standards, because there's no real definition of beyond a reasonable doubt. It's basically what does it mean to you as a juror, but it's certainly higher than what and that the, than the standard that an officer needs to make an arrest. And like you said, you know, to go back to something you said, probable cause is basically that you know it's probable that a, a crime may have occurred here. You know that I I have some evidence that a crime may have occurred, and a lot of times whenever I'm explaining it to a jury. For example, in a, to go back to the DWI example that I was using earlier, where you may have had one or two drinks at dinner, you may be well under the legal limit, you may be fine to drive, but the officers pulled you out, you know, you've already admitted to having a drink, you know, he's conducted some field sobriety tests, which nobody does well on those, no. you know, nobody does well on the field sobriety tests, because they're not, they're not designed to, you don't stand normally, you don't walk normally, you don't do any of those things, it doesn't judge you based on your normal behavior. You know, it's things that you've never done before. So nobody looks good on those. And so and uh, what an officer is ultimately doing is saying, you know, a couple things. They're trying to build up enough evidence to use against you in your DWI trial later. But if they're if they're actually looking to see whether or not they think that you're safe to drive and they're basing it on these tests that nobody's good at, you know, they're going to err on the side of caution and you're getting arrested. And you've likely, they've likely got probable cause to make an arrest, even if you're not guilty, you know, even if there's not enough evidence to convict you. And so, you know, what I'll always tell jurors is you can, an officer can have probable cause to make an arrest and the jury can find the client not guilty and they can both be right. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean the officer was wrong for making the arrest. I mean, you know, part of their job in that situation is to make sure that somebody dangerous isn't out driving on the road. It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, now, the person may not be guilty of the crime, but it's kind of an error on the side of caution thing. I mean, you know, there there's just not enough time. An officer can't sit there for long enough during a traffic stop to come up with all the information needed to figure out whether that person's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt.
1: So if you've never done this, and I'm sure you've seen it because it's funny – but if you go on YouTube and put Ron White field sobriety test, you know it's what I'm talking about. Uh, maybe. Oh, I, I would I, play I'm it not, in here. I'd I don't even know. It, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, it's kind of funny. But you know, he gets pulled over, and the guy's like, you know, we well, get out of the car, and we, you take this facility? No, that sounds like an agility test, not a drunk driving <laughs> test. Yeah. I'm not that damn
0: agile. You know. I have it. seen that one. Right.
1: Right. And, you know, but but it doesn't. Again, I want to reiterate: is look. It probably confuses people knowing that I'm a retired police officer here talking about what somebody should or shouldn't do. And absolutely having a defense attorney there to represent them is not because of anything other than one thing I want people to remember. The United States Constitution, which is basically we've been able to protect people's rights with men and women in the military is this is why you have constitutional rights. Let the evidence be the evidence. Because what I can say is this, if somebody waives the right to have an attorney and I am very trained, right? Well, mm-hmm. now probably rusty, but I had a pretty impressive confession rating, yeah. right? Because I, I was able to leverage things in there. And by the way, let me ask you something: Is it illegal for an officer to lie? No,
0: no, they do it all the time.
1: Yeah, and 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 I'm not saying it because I was a bad officer or anything else. But what's my job, right? Yeah,
0: your what's job. my job your in job that? Is to get evidence, my, uh, get the confession, yes, right? Absolutely.
1: And so, if that's my job, right, I'm going to leverage anything I can to try to get that. Now, because I really feel like I was a good detective, is. Once I started getting the confession, if it didn't align with the evidence I had, then I was like, "Well, wait a minute, that doesn't make sense mm-hmm. but if it's aligning with the evidence, that's pretty compelling at that right. point. but I'll give you another example is and again, I'm not doing in this to look, I'm sure there's all these victims' rights groups and <laughs> one safe place maybe comes after me or anything else i i i look, I have a daughter, I have a wife i'm a vig- I, look i I handed out more books of Gift of Fear by Gavin D. Becker to victims and women. I mean, I, I I made my daughter read that book before she went to college because I feel that if you read that book, you would keep yourself out of the eyesight of a predator who yep. would come after you, right? Because I can't teach you to be a ninja where you can karate chop somebody in the forehead and split them like Clint, you know, Clint Norris, right? Mm-hmm. Or Chuck, Chuck Norris. Chuck, sorry, Chuck <laughs> Norris. I can't teach you to do that, but to try to keep you out of there. So I'm not trying to, I don't want any of these victims groups, and I'm sure it won't matter. People are going to hate, but the good thing is, is I really don't care what people think of me. Yeah. And the good thing is, is I've been a cop for over six years, so I really don't <laughs> care what people think of me. But look, I was a very big victim advocate, right? There, during that time, I don't know what it is now, but at that time, no one had closed more cases, put more predators behind bars, than I did during my time as a detective in the Violent Sex crimes Unit. So for anybody out there that's confused, don't do that, right? And I'll be more than willing to have a conversation with you to tell you what's up because I've worked hundreds and hundreds of cases. But I did have one that did particularly pop up. This girl came in. I was sexually assaulted. This is the guy that did it. Photo lineup. I mean, man, when you you looked at everything, evidence, whole nine yards. I mean, this is the evidence on its own own was was inc- incredible like whoa yeah and then the guy that she identifies in a photo lineup guess what kind of history that guy has bad history
0: i mean this dude was a bad dude right so you've got it made up in your mind that he's guilty at that point
1: in that moment i'm like mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no. In in a law, in in a court law, you can't bring up somebody's past record when you're when they're up there, right? So yeah. for the for for the audience to understand that. But in my mind, I'm looking at the evidence mm-hmm. that this guy, again, probable cause, probably did this. Yeah. And then I look at his history and he is. He's a Well, at that point, my mind was made up before seeing his history, but it certainly was like, well, no surprise. Aggravated robbery, <laughs> aggravated assault, drugs. I mean, matter of fact, the robbery unit had a had a warrant out for him because he had yeah committed some robberies. He's not a, he's not new to the game. No, 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 no. Like yeah. on video in yeah. there, you know, robbing stores. Narcotics was after him. I mean, dude, like everybody was like after this guy. So so the guy gets arrested. So everybody's doing their turns, right? Mm-hmm. You know, robbery's in there. He's like, I want a lawyer. You know, the dope guys are in there. I want a lawyer. I think, you know, I can't remember or not, but maybe even homicide was looking at him. This dude was a bad dude. Yeah. He was not a good dude. He's like, lawyer, 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 lawyer. <laughs> I come in there and he's like, fuck that. I didn't do that. Yeah. What? Well, that's that's different. Plus, I'd been in that room hundreds of times that when somebody's lying, Look, you're right. They're, people are not human lie detectors, but I was about as close as you could get, <laughs> right? I could see their body language. I mean, I'd done these interviews in this in that room so many times, but there was a certain level of conviction in this guy's voice that mm-hmm. I was like, "Wait a minute, that's that's different." Plus, why would he agree to talk to me and lawyer up with everybody else? Yep. Right. And so one of the other people in my office was like, well, I mean, it's cool to go to prison as a gangbanger and a, and a robbery and dope and homicide, but it's not cool to go to prison as a rapist. That's the only reason I want to talk to you. And, and he was like, look, I'm telling you, man, this was not me, blah, 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 everything else. And I was like, but also that gut feeling is being a cop, right? Because I was a good investigator. Yeah. And I was like, man, there's just something weird here. So it caused me to go back and look at the case and it caused me to all of a sudden, I was driving up and down the area looking for any video cameras. Because even though my gut feeling was telling me that, that maybe there's something more to this story, yeah, I also was like, I would love nothing more than to find video evidence of this guy being involved in this because he is a bad guy. I'm not taking it away. Like, this dude was a bad, bad guy. Yeah. He was a danger to society. And I found video. Well, so the victim had claimed that she was dropped off at a gas station, kicked out of a car. And I was able to find, or no, she was kicked off cross street, something like that. I, I can't remember the exact details. This is years and years ago. And so I went to this gas station and I was like, hey, y'all don't by chance have video. And they were like, yeah, but man, they had some old school video. And this is like the middle of summer and it's hot and it's out in the garage where they change tires and you can't you can't download it, right? Very it terrible was, quality at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I had to sit in this sweaty garage to try to fast forward through videotape. And guess what? A bus pulls up. She gets off the bus. She comes into the gas station, borrows the restroom key, comes out, missing her purse, missing everything. Because in the video, she had tossed it in there saying her purse. She was robbed of her purse, too. Uh, okay, Hair was messed up. All this stuff. Hands the key back. Goes outside. Goes around the building. Rolls around the dirt. Whole nine yards. Comes up to the pay phone calls 911. There's still there's pay funds over there. Mm-hmm. right? And I was like, right? Yeah. Now, so, do you think I was real popular up there when I went to the DA's office and said, this dude didn't do this? No. I was because, not.
0: Because, no. I mean, especially somebody that's got a, a rap sheet like that. They're wanting to get everything they can on him. And, you know, honestly, a lot of these cases, no people don't, officers don't go back and do in a lot of the cases what you did where you went out and looked for more evidence. And I know you said you were looking for evidence of his guilt in that, but what I think would be helpful also is a lot of times if this guy's saying she's lying, if there was, you know, if if officers would go in and look for evidence of maybe she is lying, let's explore that option. Like, let's explore... Is there motive there for her to lie? If she did lie, what really happened? And that just doesn't happen in a lot of these cases. And unfortunately, the sex crime cases seems to happen. It you know there seems to be more false accusations in those types of cases than any other type of case. Because like you said, you got ex spouse situations, and you know that and there's a lot of them. And that's also why there's a lot of those cases that where people are found not guilty on them. And it's not necessarily that they, you know, it's a situation where they just didn't do it, you know, and, and unfortunately in that time that they've been arrested, I mean, you know, you know what somebody's reputation's like, if they've been accused of a sex crime, it's, it's hard to repair. It's game over. Yeah. Even if you, even if you're later found not guilty, I mean, you've been arrested for it. So people assume that you did something, you know, they assume that you did something even, or, or that you got off, you know, that you, you got off free, even though you did it, you (laughs) know, And, and that's something that is, it's scary. And oh, that, yeah. And, and, you know, it kind of goes back to earlier when you said the first, in the first scenario, the client that you thought didn't do it, but that case still got submitted to the DA's office. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a, a scary situation that people are in because as a police officer, as the detective, you want to submit everything you have to the DA's office because it's their job to decide whether to file the case or not.
1: And that was the mentality I have. Yeah. I'm not judge and jury, yeah. I am a collector and, a and lot of, I present it.
0: A lot of detectives have that. Yeah. mentality that like, you know i get all the information and i present it and then the da's office decides what they want to do to it, with it and then you have but you know we also have occasionally da's that are reviewing this that are in intake they don't want to be the one that says i'm not fine you know we're not filing charges against this guy you know we'll let the jury Pass decide the buck. yeah and so yeah now this person who it's questionable whether anything even happened has a charge filed against him. And now they're, they've got to hire an attorney. You know, they've got to warrant out. They've got to hire an attorney. They've got to, you know, fight this charge and deal with, in, a, in the example of a sex crime case, deal with the repercussions of now you've been accused of a sex crime. A lot of times people lose their jobs over that. You know, those are types of cases that make the news. And so it's unfortunate. And I don't know that there's a good solution for it. But, well, you it, know, it's something that here, happens all the time.
1: Here's the thing, too, for the audience to understand, because I'm sure – There is some people that are, if they are listening to this and they haven't shut it off or angry at me for saying what I'm saying right now, Mm -hmm. right? They just can't believe it. They're torn apart by it. But here's what I want those listeners to hear right now. It's also during my time as a detective, how many news media events were there of people getting out of prison 20 years later because the DNA proved that they didn't do it, right? And the thing people, the audience need to understand is this. I was willing to put people in prison for the rest of their life for crimes they committed. But if I thought for a second that an individual did five seconds behind bars because I did something wrong in the investigation and they weren't guilty of it, I, I literally would lose sleep. I, I couldn't live okay. with myself on that, right? So when people were like, "Well, you know, you're making it harder," and blah, blah blah, and I was like, "Actually, what I did is I made myself more credible." Yeah. Because now I can sit in there and I could look at a defense attorney and go, "Hey, look, let me tell you something."
0: Yeah.
1: I investigated things where I were. Turns out somebody wasn't, and I presented that evidence that they weren't. So if I'm saying this evidence, and I can show you through detail of how this person did it. I believe that increased my credibility on it. absolutely. And at the same time, because I believe in freedom in this country, if I thought for a second, like even let's say another 10 years from now, let's say it came up and unbeknownst to me that somebody had gone to prison on one of my reports and I found out that they didn't do it, I would feel sick to my stomach Yeah,
0: because that's how much I believe in freedom. And that's really what our constitution's design. You know, I mean, that's why we have a guilty beyond reasonable doubt standard in criminal law. You know, it's designed to ensure that, you know, it, it's I guess the theory is that it's better for a guilty person to walk free than for an innocent person to go to prison. You know, I mean, obviously, we don't we don't like yeah. the either or situation, but if we had to choose. The way that it's designed is that we would rather a guilty person walk free than a guilty than an innocent person go to prison. Yeah. Well so let's I'd, play
1: let's play another scenario out there, right? Because okay. I'm sure people are going, Well, why else would you have it unless you intend on screwing up or blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Right? Like you're saying, hey, I only had one or two drinks, but the person determined, you know, whatever. But how about this? So right now, homicide rates are up in Fort Worth, aren't they? They are. Highest they've been since the nineties. Yeah. So things are a little dangerous. Well, what's the one thing we have in Texas? We got we got guns. Yeah, right? So let's say you're at your house out in the front yard and you defend yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And you end up shooting somebody. Do you really want to take the risk even though you're on your property and everything else do you really want to take the risk of you articulating things or letting your defense attorney articulate things? When all you were trying to do is defend your home, defend your family, defend your property, right? Because how many times could you just Google person defending their home gets arrested, yeah. it
0: happens right? Happens all the time. Yeah. it Happens all the time. I mean, you got to think about it. There's, you know, you've got a dead body at that point. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh, at least he damn sure uh, better be because he makes a real bad witness if he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. And that makes, that makes a, you know, that kind of goes back to the whole point where the officer will say, you know, we've got somebody that's been killed here. It may have been self-defense, but that's not my job to decide. You know, I'll let the the courts figure that out. You're getting arrested. And, you know, you may have been completely within your rights to do, you know, to use deadly force there, but you may have to go in there and and prove that, show that. So it's definitely not something, I mean, think about it like this. Everybody has car insurance. Everybody has Homeowners insurance. Nobody plans on going out and getting a wreck today, but it happens. You know things happen, and like you said with the American Express analogy, it's better to have it and not need it than you know not have it. So I want to play. It.
1: Yeah, I want to play another scenario for you too. It's like you said a little while ago, and I've never heard it put that way in that manner, but I I I really like how you put it. Is somebody gets acquitted? The officer wasn't wrong, mm-hmm. but the person that got acquitted wasn't wrong either, right? right. So there's any number – I'm going to play two different scenarios so that the audience understands that I'm not trying to be bad guy, anti-cop or anything. Because if you've – you know what? It, if you're taken away from here that that Landon or I have anything against officers, think officers are bad or anything else, just stop listening to this episode and piss off. <laughs> I don't even want you as a listener anyways. You don't add any value to my life. So if you have that opinion, fuck off, right? <laughs> I'll go ahead and say that right now because I am very passionate about officers. My dad's a retired police officer. I care about officers. And I'm going to give you an example is whenever I was over internal affairs, right, is when somebody walks through the door of our office, I had some of the best investigators there were. They're going to do their job. Well, guess what? You come to IED, it's an administrative investigation. Yeah, it's going to suck for you. Yeah there's 1,800 officers. I, I don't know 1,800 officers. And so depending on the level, now if it's excessive force, there was a number of things that, you know, depending on what they were accused of or office was going to investigate regardless. But let's say it was a rudeness complaint or something. I would kick it back down to the sergeants. And in the beginning, when I took over the unit, the, the sergeants were really the fellow. My fellow sergeants were just pissed at me. I got enough to do. You're kicking this back down to me, and blah blah. Until finally, I had to repeat myself enough times to go, "Look, you got Officer A who is a ninja. Just about every single day. Mm-hmm. You got Officer B who's not a ninja. <laughs> Let's say." officer A who's a ninja right this this officer is just a, a badass officer doing everything right let's play a scenario of officer ninja wakes up that morning and can't find childcare cuz we're in a post pandemic world sure so he has to call his wife to say you have to leave i have to go to work because look we need first responders on the street so the wife comes home starts yelling at him she's mad because her boss is mad He's trying to get out the door, and then all of a sudden, the water heater blows, and now there's water everywhere, and then not only that, he slips in the water. It's his last uniform because he's on his last day of the week, so now he's got a wet uniform. He's got to put on a dirty uniform, and he's trying to get in. Ends up being late. He's late to roll call. And then, because again, going back, no one ever calls 911 to be like, hey, officer, how you doing? Did you have a good day? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and one of the worst calls to answer is domestics, right? Yeah. Officers hate working domestics. Right?
0: Oh, yeah. They're dangerous. They're dangerous situations. Oh, going dangerous. To- Dude, I'm gonna yeah, I'll go show you. I got that
1: scar right there, domestic. Yeah. Like, had surgery on my elbow from a domestic where she was the one that hit yeah. me in the elbow in the middle of, her, of trying to make an arrest. And you got, got
0: situations there where yeah. people who may never be violent. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of emotions involved in those, dude, and people will act I way shown, out of character. Dude,
1: I've shown up to domestics where he has whooped the even eleven lights out of her, and when we try to arrest him, she jumps on us, yeah. right? So now you go and you answer five domestics. And you just, man, you're getting just every shitty call right out of the bat. And then all of a sudden you're sitting here in your car, guy runs a red light, you pull him over and the guy's like, why the fuck did you pull me over? And the officer just has a momentary moment of being human. And it was like, probably because you ran that red light, you dumb ass. Yeah. Then the guy files a complaint, comes to my office. Now, if I'm going to do it because the officer did, was well, not professional in that moment, but do you, and this is what I've tried to tell supervisors is, do you want me, who knows nothing about your officer, whether he's a ninja or not a ninja, being the one to run it? Or are you the one that can look into it to say, yeah, you're in the wrong for that? Yeah. Probably need to be canceled on not to do that. But understands that 99 days out of 100, this officer was the most professional best officer on the planet and just happened to have one bad day, right? Right. Well, let's fast forward to guess what? that That can happen – as an officer that may not we want to believe that officers can be one hundred percent professional all the time, but guess what? Officers have bad days. And, and this is the scenario I'm leading you to is let's just say I'm a guy and I got a daughter who's got a boyfriend that I can't stand, right? Mm-hmm. And he's worthless, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> and again, same scenario
0: speaking hypothetically here? Right. (laughs) I don't want this thing to be used as evidence as you defend me one
1: day. But then same scenario, water heater breaks, I'm being yelled at, blah, blah, blah. And I just, at that moment, I am just having the worst day ever. And then boyfriend comes over and pops off to me, and it's just finally enough where I just pop the kid, right? Right. And then all of a sudden the kid goes and file an assault charge. Going back to your scenario is, is, you know, is the officer right for arresting me for assault? Because, yes, I did do it. But can I also be in the right because this kid had it coming and led up to it, right? Right. You know, do I want to be the one that articulates that to the investigators or the prosecutors or the jury or the judge?
0: Well, and here's the part of the problem in that scenario. I actually had a similar case like that. And it wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. And we ultimately got the case dismissed, but it was a situation where that kind of that scenario, it was, wasn't a a daughter's boyfriend, but it was a, a stepson and stepdad and, you know, popped off, you know, was being disrespectful to the mom, stepdad had enough, punched the kid. And, you know, it's a situation where even though it's probably justified, even though Every male juror that's out there <laughs> is going to is going to say, I get it, the kid deserved it, you yeah. know. Doesn't necessarily make it legal. And so whenever you go in there yeah. and you start talking, you know, you may be admitting to a crime. And even if, you know, depending on who the jury is, and that's what a lot of cases come down to is who's on your jury. And you don't know that. You don't know who that's going to be. You don't know that until the if, trial starts. Because
1: what if you get a juror that same scenario we're talking about is having a bad day. Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. Or somebody that's just gonna say Well, I I think that, I think what you did was okay. Like I I get why you did it and I think it was justified, but the law doesn't allow it. So you're still guilty and I'm going to find you guilty, you know, because if they just strictly follow the law in that situation, then they're likely to find you guilty there, especially if you've admitted to it. But, you know, if you've not admitted to anything, then who knows what happened, you know, then it's, there's a lot of possible scenarios that could have happened. I mean, the kid could have done a lot of things that led up to it that may give you some sort of self-defense claim that you've already talked your way out of. And not not that as an attorney, as a defense attorney, you're not going in and lying and making up scenarios, but the less that the officers had, the less the DA has to work with, the better it is for us. Mm-hmm. And so you may have been justified in doing that, but once you admit to it and you explain exactly what happened, you may have still committed a crime and just well, admitted may, to one.
1: You just may have provided them yes. the, the, what they needed. Yeah, you may have sealed regardless, your conviction. Regardless if you were justified or not, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and that's the importance of, and I'm going to say it for probably the fifth time here, Landon loves police officers. I love police officers, but we believe in credibility. We mm-hmm. believe in integrity. And what I know that I believe in, I know certainly you do you you make a living out of this, is, you know, why? So it's like, use real estate for example, right? So let's say you bought one house in your whole entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. How good are you at selling your house or buying your house? Right. You're not. Yeah. You have no idea. You've done it once, (laughs) right? Like I remember you had called me, had an agent that was representing you on a house and you're like, Hey man, I need you to get this done for me. Right. Because you wanted someone that had more experience that knew how to do it. We navigated it really effectively, pretty fairly quickly. Quickly. If I remember correctly. Right. That you have with your business partner there. And, and, and so that's why I'm like, why would you, when, if this is not what you do every day, be the spokesperson for yourself in a situation, which by the way, the consequences mm-hmm. by trying to be the smartest person in the room. And this is not what you do is your freedom.
0: Yeah. And to, for an example of that, I hear a lot of is marijuana cases, you know, marijuana is becoming legal you know, throughout a lot of the country. It's still like not Colorado. here. <laughs> yeah, Colorado. It's still not here. And so we have, we have situations here where people are getting arrested daily and Tarrant County is still prosecuting those cases. Under Texas law, if you're convicted of a marijuana crime, you lose your license for six months automatically.
1: I, I guess I've either been out of the game for that long. I didn't know
0: that. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're in the vehicle or not. You get a convicted really any drug possession charge but marijuana is included in that. And so whenever I, but a lot of people, because it's legal everywhere, they think it's not a big deal. I'm not spending money on an attorney for that. I'll just go down there, plead guilty, you know, pay whatever fine I get, which you also got to keep in mind, there is a possibility of jail time that comes with a marijuana charge. Now it's unlikely, you know, unless you've, unless you've really done something there, it's unlikely that they're going to give you a jail sentence for marijuana charge. But It's still a possibility, but there's also other consequences that come with it that you probably don't know about. So just going down there and saying, I want to plead guilty and I'll take whatever sentence you give me. It's a bad idea. You know, (laughs) I mean, and, and,
1: you know, know. and that cracks me up, you know, and I even felt like this as a police officer is like somebody's got a joint on them. Mm -hmm. Really? Come on. Like in all my years of pulling people over. You never pull anybody over for being high and speeding, right? Right. You grow up and you're like, man, at least roll down the windows before I get up here so I don't get blessed with a smoke. You're like, was I speeding? You're like, no, dude, you're stopped right in the middle of the road. Like, get your butt going. Yeah. But I mean, just look, you know, it, but you're right, though, is whether it's something incredibly simple to whether it's something incredibly complicated, you need to have someone that this is what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like this, right? You see all these day traders and everything else. I don't do that. Why? I pay my wealth advisor to do that because I don't know enough about the stock markets and everything else that I don't want to wake up and be like, oh, wow, I just lost half my fortune because I thought I knew what I was doing when that's not what I do for a living. You know, just like a CPA, right? Yep. You know, I have like my my situation is very complicated when it comes to taxes because I have several businesses. I have a restaurant. I have real estate investments. I have real estate you know, business where I have employees that work for me, man, there's a lot that goes into that, that if this is not what I do for a million clients, I'm not going to know. And like you say, the laws are changing all the time for the benefit or their lack of is I don't have time to keep up with that. So I'd rather pay an expert to go do it just like someone that would represent me and like, Hey, you know, what's, what's the scenario here. I got officers asking me questions.
0: Yeah. And you know, even, even more so than the possible consequences is, that officer may have done something wrong. You know, they may have screwed up, even though, and, you know, I know that a lot of people don't like this whole theory of the person was guilty, but they, you know, because of a technicality, they should get off of the charge or get away with it. But again, it goes back to the Constitution. It's there for a reason to protect us. And if the officer did something that violates that person's Fourth Amendment rights, of, you know, legally legally searching a vehicle, to find that marijuana or whatever, you know, whatever it may be, then that's something an attorney, you know, you're probably as a citizen not going to be able to put that into an argument form, a legal argument form, to, you know, th- that would result in that evidence getting thrown out and ultimately an acquittal on your case. And so that's something that, you know, it kind of goes back to, you know, that you really it's you're really better off having somebody that knows what they're doing in that situation. You know, just like with real estate, you can try to do it yourself to save some money on the front end, but it may cost you in the long run, you know, and that's the same way with with, you know, oh, hiring an attorney on, on things.
1: Man, you you're 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 playing my love language now is what I've learned even on the civil side. So Donald Koskowski over at McDonald Sanders is my civil attorney mm-hmm. where I've had situations where I was like, "Man, I don't know how I ended up in a situation, and then now I got to pay him to get involved." Mm-hmm. He's like, "Why did you ever sign this?" Yeah. He was like, you know, it would have cost you a lot less to send this to me. Me send you a bill to either alter it or tell you not to sign it. Where it ended up costing me thousands and thousands of dollars because I thought I knew what I was reading. I wanted to save some money. I've had that happen. Yeah. And then I was like, uh, So now I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't sign things like when somebody sends something to me that involves an illegal nature. The first thing I do forward it to Donald. I expect to see your invoice. What do I do here? How do I handle this? I right. always
0: I always kind of describe it as a price versus value thing. You know, you can – you've got a price for something and you can try to go cheap on that price. You know, you can try – you can always try to find somebody to do it cheaper or try to do it yourself and save them whatever that price tag is right now. But that person provides enough value that in the long run by saving that – saving whatever that price tag is, it's going to cost you more than – In the long run, than what this person's going to provide for you, and it could be, and it's not always monetary. I mean, sometimes it's time. You know, for example, traffic tickets. Like you said, with your daughter, you know that she got the speeding ticket. Most traffic ticket attorneys, unless you go to trial to fight it, most traffic ticket attorneys are going to go in and get you, you know, defensive driving or deferred deferred or something like that, and you're still paying the fine, but. You know, for for somebody like you who is a professional, it's probably beneficial for you to hire a traffic ticket attorney, pay them 50 bucks or whatever they're going to charge so that you don't have to go to the court and do it. You know, it's a time thing. It's still a value thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, to pay someone 50 bucks to save me a couple of hours knowing what I do and make an hour now. Well, if you had to base on what what I do as far as value.
0: Yeah, why am I gonna waste my time mm-hmm. on that, right? Even though they could even though you could do what yeah. they're gonna go get for you, it's it's a time it's, thing. Yeah, and so, it's
1: time value money, right? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's this is really, really important, is so that way the audience has some way of capturing, understanding this is I know what's in a good defense attorney, right? Because I have a lot of experience, and that's why you're my guy, <laughs> should I ever need you, right? Yeah. But what are some questions that the audience should know to vet somebody to potentially be that American Express card for them? What would you recommend that they ask a defense attorney that would try to help them see if this a person's going to be a good defense attorney? Should they need them?
0: So I think a really important one is: When's the last time you tried a case? I mean, you—it's mind blowing. You know, I think you would be surprised if you started asking around attorneys just in town how many of them haven't tried a case in a long time. And they should be able to, you know, kind of give you an idea of that in a normal year. Now, this, you know, the fact that nobody's tried any cases or many cases in 2020 is not a red flag because there's just, they've not had trials because of COVID. Yeah. But, you know, in a normal year, you know, I probably try anywhere from five to 10, maybe even more cases, which is quite a few Trials. I mean, there are some attorneys that try a lot, but typically anybody that has their own firm is going to be in the five to ten range. If if they try a lot of cases, you know, somebody that's not tried a case in five years that's that's questionable. Because if you're really wanting to fight your charge, and you know, if you really wanted to fight your charge and you get into a trial, you want to know that they're they're up to date. You know, it's same thing like you said earlier with an officer. The more that you testify, the more that the better you get. Same thing with an attorney. The more trials that you do, the better you get, And, and. you know, it's kind of a a red flag, even if they've tried a bunch of cases in their history, that they don't try any recently. The other thing you got to keep in mind is the district attorney's office, they know who tries cases and who doesn't as well. So even if it's a situation where you say, I'm guilty, I just want to work out a deal, you're probably going to get a better deal from an attorney that's that they know may actually take your case to trial than somebody that they know is just going to plead your case no, no matter what. So I think that's a big one, you know, who actually figuring out if they actually try cases, how often they try cases and stuff like that. I think a big question and it's something I have no problem doing and I do it pretty much in every case whenever somebody calls me is I tell them what you know what my plan is, how I'm going to represent them, what we're going to do, you know, how we're going to try to achieve these goals that they have as far as resolving their case. A lot of attorneys are hesitant to do that. You know, they don't they feel like they're giving out free legal advice whenever they do that. I don't You know, I I think that I can tell you exactly what I'm going to do, how we're going to try to achieve these results in your case. If you don't hire me because you think you're going to go do it on your own, good luck. You know, (laughs) but I want you to know that I've got a plan, you know, and the plan may change. You know, we may have to alter it, but ultimately I've got a plan. I can articulate that plan to you so that you know what's going on. Probably another big one is, you know, how are you going to communicate with me? You know, am I going to have access to you as an attorney? Or am I gonna be speaking, you know, to an assistant? You know, how often should I hear from you? What's gonna be the means of communication, those types of things? Because I think a lot of people have this idea, you know, I've spent a whole lot of money on this attorney and I I never talk to them. You know, every time I call, they don't answer, you know, they never call me back, those types of things. And you gotta have some realistic expectations. I mean, not every attorney is going to be able to pick up every single time that you call or be in the office every single time that you call. There are there are other clients and other cases going on. But you know, you should also they should also be able to give you some realistic expectations. I'll get back to you, you know, within 24 hours, a lot of times the same day, you know. And that's I, I think those are kind of big things because people want good communication with their attorneys, but you also want somebody that knows what they're doing and regularly does it. So those are types of questions that I think are probably some of the bigger ones that you ask on the front end and also just kind of get a, getting a feel for people, you know, for your attorney, does this person seem like they're actually valuing me and my case? You know, do I feel like they care about me or are they just trying to get me to, you know, are they just trying to get me to break out my, my checkbook and, and, you know, be another client and then get me out the way. And, you know, I think that that's just something that you got to kind of gauge on your own.
1: So those, that is, that is, that is, that is great, great questions. All right. So we've utilized these questions. We've determined that Landon Loker is going to be my attorney. All right. Now walk me through what do I do? Should an incident happen? Like what, you know, I know I make jokes and everything else, mm-hmm. you know, got you on the speed dial, send you a text, you're like, don't see anything. Like, what do I do? So let's play two different scenarios because there's one where you're being arrested at the moment when something happens. Mm-hmm. Or an investigator calls you and says, hey, I need to talk to you. Walk me through both of those scenarios as like what you would want your client to do or not do Mm -hmm. in those moments.
0: So let's start with the first one. You're being arrested and you you need to know what to do in that situation. So it kind of depends on the officer as far as whether you're going to be able to call somebody or not. Like you said, you know know that it's going down. You can send me a text real quick, you know, before – it actually happens and that's fine, not everybody is going to have an attorney on speed dial and know exactly, you know, be able to do that. So in that situation, the best thing to do is first of all, don't answer any questions. You know, you can ask the officer, am I being detained? If you're being arrested, obviously, you know, you're being detained. Mm -hmm, (laughs) And so you're getting arrested. At that point, you need to not say anything. A lot of people want to try to talk their way out of it, and you're just not going to. Once that officer's decided that they're arresting you, they're arresting you and you're going to jail. And so that's this that at that point, you need to start thinking about the future. You don't think about the right now. So you're going to jail, you don't say anything. You know, you get to the jail, you get to make a phone call. During your phone call, you're still not talking about your case. These calls are recorded. So you're calling whoever it is, you know, whether it's your attorney that you have, or if you're calling mom or wife or whoever, you're calling that person. And then you're probably getting a, you know, you're probably going to be sitting waiting to get a bond set. And so it's not a quick process. You know, it's not like on TV, you go to jail, your bond's already set, you book out, you know, that type of thing. You may you may be in there overnight. And so you're waiting to see a judge. You're not talking to anybody in the jail about your case. You know, you, you're you lip sealed about anything to do with your case at that point. And so ultimately, if you have that attorney, you know, if you have me, then you can call me and I can come and talk to you. We may be able to get you a bond set quicker. It may be a situation where we say, hey, you know, you're, it's in, the process has started. It's just going to be a little bit. And so once you get that bond set and you actually post the bond to get out of jail, that's whenever we, you know, really start meeting together, discussing the details of your case. And that's when I'm saying, hey, you just talk to me about it. You know, Do you I, help I, facilitate getting a bondsman or? I can, yeah, yeah. I can I can give referrals to people. I mean, some, you know, some people have bondsmen that they've used forever. Obviously, if you've never been in that situation, <laughs> you know, if you've never been in that situation, you don't know where to go. And so, yeah, I I certainly help out with that, you know, or at least can advise, you know, give you some options in that situation. But I mean, the biggest thing there is just not talking. You know, if they try to pull you into interview, you, you don't you don't want to talk. You know, you can say, I want my attorney present interview stops, you know, and that's that's really what you're trying to do. You're not trying to talk your way in and out of situations. Now, the other one was occasionally they have a report made. Investigator calls up, you know, says, hey, I've got had a complaint against you, want to discuss things with you. I am so-and-so from Fort Worth Police Department. You know, that's usually not a good idea uh, to go ahead and have that conversation because, you know, it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the podcast is that they, you know, they're probably trying to build a case against you at that point. And, you know, they may say, hey, you, you can either talk to me and tell me your side of the story, or I'm not really going to have any choice but to arrest you. And that's when a lot of people start talking. It's still a bad idea. Even then, you can say, you know, sorry, I don't want to don't want to talk right now. Can I take your number, you know, and call you back or something later, maybe? And then you talk to your attorney at that point and say, hey, I've got this detective calling me. He wants to talk to me. This is what he said. He's this is what he says it's about. They may not tell you what it's about yet, but you may know, <laughs> you know, what mm-hmm. it's about. Or if you have no idea, then your attorney can t- call that detective. A lot of times, as an attorney, they won't talk to. They don't want to talk to me. They don't yeah. want to talk to me. Just like I don't want you to talk to them. Yeah. Because. You know they they don't want to give me any information about where they're at, and if it's a situation where the detective won't talk to me, that's a pretty good indicator that they're trying to arrest my client and build a case against my client If they're truly looking for information, they're generally more inclined to discuss stuff with me and so really, you know the biggest thing you can do is just not talk at all to anybody about your case other than your attorney man that is sound sound vice
1: and Yeah, for the listeners out there on this podcast, listen to exactly what Landon's telling you, not just from a defense attorney's standpoint, but I'm telling you from being on the other side of it as an officer for 17 years is, yeah. And again, I'll leave it at saying it yet again. We don't have anything against officers. We love officers. We have to have officers. We want them out there, especially you and I agree. They've got a tougher job now than they've Mm -hmm. ever had, but they're we believe in integrity and we believe in, you know, the constitution. So mm-hmm. all this work you've done to get to where you're at now, mm-hmm. right? And you've learned some major lessons, yeah. <laughs> probably some painful ones, <laughs> I would imagine. Yeah. And so let's turn back the hands of time, go back to 20-year-old self. 20-year-old Landon, where you could tell 20-year-old Landon a million different things. But if there was only one thing you could tell yourself when you were 20, what what would you tell yourself,
0: knowing what you know today? Okay, are we talking about from a business standpoint? Anything? Okay, if you, you know,
1: based on your life, your trajectory, your journey to become who you are today, if you could go back and talk to yourself,
0: what would you what would you tell yourself? Don't be afraid to fail. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I I feel like I wasn't maybe early on. I had some more fears, but especially early in your twenties, don't have a family, you know, don't have any kids that you have to support. You can lose everything, and you're still and still be fine in the end. You know, I mean, it's that fear of failure that I think keeps a lot of people, holds a lot of people back. And I think, you know, obviously you have to have some self-awareness to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. But as far as if you're wanting to go out and do business, start start a business, it doesn't have to be in the law. I mean, whatever the business is, you know, you can't be afraid to fail and go out and, you know, just do whatever it takes. I mean, you know, the fear of failure, I think, holds more people back from achieving their dreams than anything.
1: Man, so the audience wants to learn more about lawyers. Maybe wants you as a lawyer. How mm-hmm. do they, how do they find you? Where do where do they go? What do they click? What do, what what do they do to find you?
0: They can find me a lot of places. They can go on Facebook, Loker Law Firm, L O K E R Law Firm. Uh, you can go to our website, LokerLawFirm It's currently we're currently kind of revamping that. So there's not a whole lot there yet. Kind of in a rebuild stage on that. I mean, I'm personally on pretty much all social media. So You know, they can find me there as well, or they can, you know, always call the office 817-952-9072, you know, and I do free phone consultations, not hypotheticals, you know, (laughs) I I do get a lot of hypothetical questions. So you see what happened was. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. well, I mean, I get a lot of people that say, you know, if I was in this scenario, what, what should I do? You know, that's not really what the consultations are for. They're more for people that are in a situation and need to know what to do. But, you know, you can message me on any of those platforms and, you know, I'd be glad to discuss whatever your situation is. And even if it's not criminal law, you know, that's what I primarily do in, in this firm. If it's not criminal law, if you have a legal issue and you don't know where to go, you can reach out to me and I can I can direct you to that to the right person. I can get you in the right hands of the person that's going to take care of you. Yeah. So for the audience, as you know,
1: go to myexperiencedrealtor.com. That's experienced with an ED. You can click on Landon's episode, go down to read more. We're going to put links to the phone number and these, uh, the website and the social media. So that way, if you forget how to get in touch with them and you are listening to this episode, Click on myexperiencedrealtor.com. Click when it takes you to the landing page, top right corner where it says podcast. Click on that. Go down to Landon Loker. I'm sure I'll put something very catchy down there like my personal defense attorney or something <laughs> like that. But Landon, thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having thank me. Thank you for being candid. And thank you for being a defense attorney who still talks to a cop or yeah. a retired <laughs> one. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Jeremy. What
0: do you think? That's great. Yeah? Yeah. Have you done with any-
1: these?